Welcome to Fields of Consciousness, a podcast for consciousness conversations with your host, myself, Jeffrey Stegman. And I'm Clayton Stegman. As consciousness explorers and founders of Focus Life Force Energy, we're here to bring a holistic approach to consciousness and to share practical examples of how you can take your life to the next level. This is the first episode of a multi-part series, and we have a very special guest, psychologist, master researcher, and our friend, Gary Schwartz. Celebrate with us this conversation on synchronicities and what they can mean for your life. Hello, everyone. Welcome back, or welcome for the first time to the Fields of Consciousness podcast. Today, we're excited to have our friend, Dr. Gary Schwartz, joining us. We are discussing luck, what luck and synchronicity can mean as powerful information and pointers for our life. Welcome, Gary. Hi, such a privilege to be here with you. Well, talk about my experience of you Gary personally, kind of as a uh, as an intro. Gary joined us um, on the FLFE research team through uh, Lewis Humphreys, and it's um, kind of purposes to up level the FLFE evidence research and with more rigor, more rigor, and we're developing a gold standard of of, of research for research for companies like FLFE. And we spent a number of weeks creating a high consciousness field together and uh, deeply enjoyed the time together and Gary's uh, intense curiosity, openness, and, and beginner's mind combined with the scientific uh, rigor and, uh, or the, uh, what do you call it? The disease of science. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're, Gary, your deep dives into data, there's our three Ds, from experiments and, and a passion for what emerges is just, just a wonder to, to behold. It's been a privilege to be with you. Well, thank you. It's, um, there, it's rare to be in an environment where a disease of science, by the way, uh, a neurologist, um, I once shared this with a neurologist, and he gave it a, an official medical diagnosis. He called it scientitis. <laughs> but it's wonderful to be able to share that kind of um, passion for um, following the evidence where it takes you and in the joy of discovery and, and um, the joy of, of having the privilege to learn um, all of the, the mystery and magic in the universe slowly but surely as we evolve um, and to be in the presence of people and a company that's committed to that as a mindset and a, and a heart set um, is very precious. So mm. thank you for including me on the team. Mm -hmm. Looking, looking forward to a deep dive into synchronicity tonight, today together. 
Good. Yeah, so I was thinking about how to introduce you, Gary. Um, I got I had the thought of using a metaphor of uh, describing you as a bowl of soup. <laughs> okay. So one of the one of the ingredients would be uh, highly educated. Another one, another ingredient would be respect for the scientific process. And uh, as you inferred before, uh, there's a conscious awareness of scientitis. Uh, so that's something that you, that's a hat that I've seen you take on and uh, put off uh, consciously. So that's interesting that I know a few scientists and, and that's always something that they have to manage. Uh, I guess the fourth ingredient amongst many would be uh, a willingness to follow the data wherever it leads. That's um, actually, that's one of our, prayers we do in our research meetings um, is that we ask for the uh, God's discernment to know the truth, but to have the courage to follow the data wherever it leads. Mm -hmm. That's a nice framework to start off uh, a meeting with. Mm -hmm. And then there's the, um, there's the odd hot chili pepper in the soup and it's in the shape of a Corvette. And when you eat the soup, you hear bass music, bass music playing in the background. <laughs> if soup could do such a thing, you would be that soup, Gary. Oh. Well, you know, I really do love soup when you think about it. And and I, I if I remember correctly, uh, Clayton, you like to cook, don't you? Or is that Jeff? I don't remember who the cook is. I like to cook. I don't know if I'm really good at it. But one of the things I do when I'm really kind of feeling overwhelmed or tired is I just make a big pot of uh Typically seafood chowder. That's my go-to. Ah, wow. That's my go-to grounding um, cooking experience. Yeah. Wow. Well, the reason I'm sharing it is because I often use soup as a metaphor for how the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, <laughs> and how um, no one ingredient defines a complex soup. Mm. In fact, um, I've even spent a significant amount of time, and we probably shouldn't do this now trying to get a, a, a deep level meaning, a definition of the word soup. Um, so it's interesting that you bring this up. We've never had a soup conversation before. Is that correct? Uh, we have not had soup conversation before. This okay. Was, uh, and you don't new. typically bring up soup in these kinds of conversations. Is that correct? I am not aware of me ever comparing anybody to a bowl of soup when introducing right. them. And you probably wouldn't have guessed that I have such a deep connection, both personally in terms <laughs> of loving soup and also appreciating its higher significance for looking at nature. No, you have, we have no, I have no <laughs> historical data on you being associated with soup in any way other than a reasonable assumption you have, that you have eaten soup. <laughs> right. <laughs> we are right now living a moment, a synchronous moment is what I'm sharing. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm. You know, I didn't even think about that in terms of why I thought I should introduce you as a metaphor, but uh, obviously um, being in the presence of a uh, super synchronicity. A um, super synchronicity? S-O-U-P-E-R? <laughs> <laughs> a super synchronicity person. <laughs> oh, I didn't even get that. I, I said I didn't even get it. <laughs> It's good to be funny in ways you don't even you don't even know how you can be funny. That's like look at that. It happens, right? <laughs> yeah, it probably wasn't my thought. 
Well, Gary, why don't you uh, why don't you give us a more formal introduction? You know, you're a very accomplished man, and we've been you know just sharing our own personal experience, but you're very high, highly credentialed and yeah, done some interesting things. Uh, yeah, well, I'll try to be brief. Um, I was I've been privileged to have received a, a fine education, um, including doing my master's and PhD at Harvard. Um, in what's called in what's called psychophysiology, which is specialty, which means the relationship between the mind and the body, and also clinical psychology, which was the health side of this. And I was then on the faculty at Harvard for five years, and I was recruited south to Yale University, where I was one of the youngest tenured professors of at the university. I was a professor of psychology and psychiatry. I was director of what was called the Yale Psychophysiology Center and co-director of the Yale Behavioral Medicine Clinic. And um, the uh, that was, you know, a great privilege and opportunity. Um, but despite that, I also have a passion for music and I also have a passion for Native American culture and philosophy. And I was recruited to the Southwest, to the University of Arizona, um, twice, and the second time I gave in and accepted it. Um, I, when people ask me, why did you move to Tucson? I say it was first and foremost a move of the heart, not realizing that by making this move, I could, I would have the freedom and the opportunity for my more energetic and spiritual side um, to grow. And um, at the University of Arizona, I'm a Professor of Psychology, Medicine, Neurology, Psychiatry, and and Surgery. Uh, I probably got all, and I can't believe this is the first time that I've actually got them mixed up. Must be when you're age when you're age seventy seven, you're getting maybe your credentials. That's amusing. Um, anyway, it's five departments, and um, please hold that. Don't hold that against me. And I direct. It's called the Laboratory for Advances in Consciousness and Health. Um, I've uh, published more than 500 scientific papers, co-edited like 16 academic books, written um, a number of books for the lay public, including two that are especially relevant here, one called The Sacred Promise, um, How Science is Discovering Spirit and Everything, Including Us, and also a book called Supersynchronicity, uh, pre-S-O-U-P-E-R, where, um, <laughs> where science and, and spirit meet. And um, I also served for 11 years as the um, Corporate Director of Development of Energy Healing at Canyon Ranch, which is an international wellness corporation. I used to refer to them as the Harvard of Health Spas. Um, and, the, and I think that training and that opportunity, well, all of this has been in training for the opportunity of being in service to a visionary uh, business um, that uh, FLFE is is uh, mm. is manifesting it and its helpers mm. are manifesting directors. Mm. 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 Thank you for that, Gary. Yeah. So, the, why are we talking about synchronicity today? Um, well, it's almost St. Patrick's Day, so we're going to release this near St. Patrick's Day. There's the timing. Of course, the main reason is we love you, Gary, and we wanted to have you on. <laughs> but, <laughs> but 
But the, you know, St. Patrick's Day is commonly associated with luck. So there's this luck and synchronicities, you know, we believe that what's commonly noticed as luck, you know, could be synchronicities. And we'll get into what that synchronicities mean. But I was looking up the math uh, around a four-leaf clover, and it looked like horticulturalists, horticulturalists were saying about one in 10,000, Gary, for a four-leaf clover. Uh, actually, one in a million for a five-leaf five cl- clover. Wow. So, you know, finding two four-leafs then would be, am I doing the math right? It's one in a thousand times one in a thousand, so it would be one in a hundred million. Um, is that is that the right math there? Well, if it's a thousand, if it's a thousand, it would be one in a million. And, and my math is one, not good without, without a calculator. Yeah, it's one in 10,000. Yeah. Okay, then each. it's right. Then it's one in a million. Ten, yeah. A hundred million. Well, anyway, somebody can figure yeah. it out. Yeah, hundred million. Yeah. So, and of course, there's some heredity of four leaf, and so there might be clumps of them. And that, you know, that, that I was reading, but you know, it's just one of those examples. People think how rare that is, right? One in ten thousand um, to find one four leaf clover. And what we'll be getting into is the math of these synchronicities, especially these super synchronicities, like just how astounding the odds are, you know, which, um, you know, is something I just really struck me about your book and really helped me to understand and why I pay attention to these synchronicities. Well, you know, it's really interesting that I mean, you, you forewarned me that this was, you were going to be honoring a St. Patrick's day and the question of luck. Um, and I figured I better learn something about St. Patrick's day. Um, <laughs> and uh, its relationship to luck. Because the only thing I knew about St. Patrick's Day was when I was a kid, I used to watch the St. Patrick's Day parade and I knew that people wore green, but I really didn't know anything about it. So I did a little bit of of reading and learned that there really was a St. Patrick and that he really was a very special person. And he, um, he deserved his, as far as we can tell, the special honor that he was given and designation and recognition um, um, in the church. Um, and I also read about the four-leaf clover and luck and was thinking about that. And there are at least two synchronicities attached to you deciding <laughs> to pick that. Now, unfortunately, I, you know, some people say that I'm a magnet for synchronicity or <laughs> an attractor in the case of fractal geometry for synchronicities, but I certainly nurture them, particularly among people who themselves are deeply intuitive and are prone to synchronicity. So I'll, I'll just mention two points and we can think about them or how if re- relevant to the latest conversation. But one is that um, this is the first time I've ever been asked to do anything in the context of St. Patrick's Day, or for that matter, any saint. But you asked me to do this at this particular moment. Mm -hmm. And why that's curious is because I've had a deep interest in the quote, saint hypothesis, Mm -hmm. i.e. the idea that there really were people who lived on the earth and then quote, they physically died, but their consciousness and energy and personality continued survival of consciousness after physical death. And that Mm -hmm. therefore the saint hypothesis takes on scientific plausibility. Mm. And the idea that one could literally verify 
that particular saints who are interested in verifying their existence, if they chose to, could participate in 21st century research, uh, documenting their continued presence and caring about human life. And that, that fits into the broad context of the book I mentioned um, called The Sacred Promise. And literally, I think it was around the same week that you first sent me this invitation. I had my first uh, secret reading with an evidence-based medium where a alleged saint was invited to participate in the research, and we received evidential information. And one of the anomalies that came through in that information was the color yellow which I didn't connect to our later yellow synchronicities, which we will maybe talk about as an example of a, a living, literally, synchronicities mm -hmm. happening right now. But the second thing I'd just like to share, so there's that sense of saint hypothesis, but then there's the question of the four-leaf clover and the four leaves and I, you know, and the, and the geometry and the mathematics of that. No, I had never thought about what's the probability of getting four leaves in, in that kind of thing. It's a very... You know, reasonable thing to ask. Could that have happened simply by chance? And by the way, you're right. There's a one in ten thousand. You know, there's a probability that it could have happened by chance. But what's odd is that I was wondering whether there was some event because I was thinking about this upcoming special podcast that you were inviting me to participate in, and I was just wondering whether there was some example that I could use that might relate to a four-leaf clover. Hmm. And yesterday, um. Due to a very odd circumstance, which we can talk a little bit mm. more later, I happened to be in a context where I was looking in my rearview mirror. I was driving to a, a dealership about to fix up some mistake that they made, and the uh, and in the rear of my window, I saw a yellow Corvette with a black stripe. Now, there's a one in a hundred probability of seeing a yellow car, because that's the frequency that cars are purchased in that color. And there's lots of statistics about that. Hmm. And, but so there's at least one in a hundred chance you're gonna see a yellow car in your rear view window. But what struck me as odd was that when I looked to the side, to the right of me was another yellow golden car. <laughs> so now there were two cars, one to the right and one behind me. And then directly to the front of that car, because we were at a stoplight, there were um, these yellow bubbled um, places, which it turns out are for blind people, so they know when they're stepping out into the street. Sometimes they're red, sometimes they're other colors, sometimes they're yellow. There's maybe, you know, one in 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 ten uh, probability that if you're at a, a cross street, it might be yellow, or maybe one twenty. I mean, one in. Uh, uh, 20% that is one in five, but the probability of being at a cross street that have these yellow, a lot of them don't. So anyway, it's maybe at least one in a hundred. So there's the, the, the yellow uh, bubbled walk next to the yellow car. And behind me is the yellow car. I said, dude, that's three. So I said, where's the fourth? <laughs> and then I looked to my left. You can't make this stuff up. I took pictures of it. And on my left was a yellow golden SUV. I was surrounded. Whoa. <laughs> it was almost like a perfect, you know, four-leaf clover. So I said, okay, universe, thank you. And it's a perfect example of a highly improbable set of events occurring at a given moment 
And then, of course, mm. the challenge is, you know, how could it happen? And if so, what's its intention and what are its potential meanings? Mm. <laughs> well, it's interesting you mentioned that, Gary, because in our meetings, uh, we were meeting once a week for probably six months, and then we're meeting once a month now uh, with a certain group, and you meet with other groups in the company, and you're always noticing synchronicities in the meetings and connecting the dots uh, for those. That's uh, that's. So I think you. I think we gave you the name Synchronicity Guru. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, that was your. I think um, you did, and it's yes. probably the highest honor I've ever received because I I've never <laughs> wanted to be a guru in anything. You know, there's often a, you know negative connotations of the word guru, but there's also, of course, a deeper, more spiritual meaning. And I guess if I was going to be a guru or anything, it would be an observer and celebrator mm-hmm. of genuine um, connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was more done in play, but I think, was, you know, <laughs> sometimes these things are said and it's like, <laughs> and, and when you're in a really good space, I think the divine speaks through somebody in the group. It's almost like it's playing with us. It's another, I don't know if you call it a synchronicity, but yeah, when you say like the soup thing, I mean, I didn't, I told Jeff I was going to talk about soup, but I didn't tell you. And I, I don't know why I, you know, compared you to a, a bowl of soup, but that's just what, that's just kind of the thought I had. So I asked God, okay, how do I introduce Gary? And that was the thought I got. So I'll assume it's from a higher power. Um, and your, your book, I don't know that there's a lot of books written on synchronicities, how to notice them, and that have an evidence-based spirituality and divinity correlation to, to that body of work. So it seems to be pivotal in the field. Is that correct, Gary, in your experience? Or, or I think that if you all? add that combination, we say the soup, the mixture mm-hmm. of ingredients that define that book. Now, some people say the book is all wet. Okay, mm-hmm. then that's a bit of now humor <laughs> yes. again. Okay, but um, but humor aside, I think it is the only book that I know of that combines a wealth of well-documented evidence mm-hmm. that also deals with the higher mechanisms and meanings that are required in order to, with integrity, make sense of the complexity of the data as the data are being revealed mm-hmm. and um, and tries to do that in a way that is both personal and academic, if you would. Um, yeah, I, th- I think if you put all that together, I think you're right. It's a, it's a unique book. It's a unique book. And what's interesting is, back to a personal experience, is you just gather evidence as you go throughout your life, like with the four vehicles around you that were all yellow. I know there's times when something comes up in one of our meetings and and you will document that, write it down, ask us to send you know, information about it. And that's just the way you live. And it's an ongoing, it's, well, it's like life is your laboratory. That's my experience of you. That's interesting that life is my laboratory because I, in the book, The Sacred Promise, I, I used the term that I called self-science. Mm-hmm. which is where we apply the scientific method to the laboratories of our personal lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and the beauty of, of, a, of using aspects that we learn from science, and science is, comes from the French skier, which simply means to know. It's just 
ways of better knowing and making sense of of the things around us is that synchronicity research is really cheap. Like you don't even have to buy anything because <laughs> normally, I'm especially now that we almost everyone has a has a smartphone which has got audio and it's got texting and you can talk to Siri and immediately have it record things and you can take photographs. And so it's very easy to document events when they occur. Second, you don't have to get human subjects committee. There are no federal government issues involved. <laughs> and as long as, of course, you're respecting, you know, personal privacy and, and so on. Um, uh, it's the kind of quote science that any of us can do. And it's really fun because the universe, as far as I can tell, once you entertain the idea that there is a, some sort of universal consciousness, infinite intelligence, you know, a Native Americans call great spirit, uh, you know, we, Judeo-Christians call God, divinity, whatever word you Once you recognize this level of consciousness as a, as a foundation, for everything, and that everything is a part of it, it's not surprising that its such of humor is going to be at least as great as ours, and that if we enjoy playfulness and animals enjoy playfulness, you can be darn sure that it's highly probable that the other divine is even more playful than we are, and it likes to play with us. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So it's a very viable hypothesis to um, – to, uh, to, I think, to enjoy the process. And I think that's, by the way, one of the characteristics of people like me who have so many synchronicities is it's not only because we're open to looking and we are, and we, we pay attention to patterns and then ponder whether they have meaning or not um, mm -hmm. and be cautious about jumping to conclusions about them, but because we so enjoy them and relish them that there's so much a, a, a a gift of life that I think that Rhonda calls it, uh, my beloved, she calls it the continuity of encouragement from divinity. <laughs> so, yes, Rhonda has some good Rhondaisms, as we've been calling them. <laughs> my favorite, well, the one that I, I have to think about that one, because the other one that she said was, There is only one life and it is infinite. <laughs> and um, part of what happens for those of us who don't know much about Jeff and I, and and we do a lot of kinesiology and muscle testing. And we were trying to um, create a definition of synchronicities that would test as a very high truth. And one of the definitions we came up with was that synchronicities are a language of the divine. Mm. And uh, there may be many ways to express a high truth definition about synchronicities. And... Um, a lot of our subscribers have emailed us and asked us, well, uh, some have asked us for definitions of things. And um, it's very interesting to explore language and its relationship to measuring truth. And uh, synchronicities are one of those things that I use to look for confirmation of my life being in alignment with divinity. Or confirmation that, or you know, on the positive or negative, that a decision I'm considering is in the highest and best interest of all. Mm. So that's wow. Um, that's an, uh, there's lots of ways to use synchronicities. 
I use synchronicities a lot more when I, before I get into muscle testing, I tend to do muscle testing or kinesiology to just sort of get verification of my direction. But, uh, there was a time when I would look for synchronicities. And of course we called them signs back then. We didn't, you know, call them synchronicities, sure. but mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it is a type of uh, guiding light. I think for people who use them consistently and have a relationship with synchronicities that supports them, because there must, there must be a challenge in, you know, in trying to make meaning out of things that aren't there and then recognizing at the same time, the odds of this happening are one in a billion or one in a trillion. It's just really extraordinarily odd to have four yellow cars around you and you've noticed yellow the, the day before. I mean, this is just, you know, and, and have a yellow crosswalk. I mean, the odds of that, I don't know how you'd even calculate it, but it would be ex- extraordinarily odd. Yes. You know, and so many, I, my problem with listening to the two of you is that you're always triggering thoughts. And again, remembering I have this disease <laughs> called scientitis that you nurture. You immediately say things that then push on that button that lead me to say, we have someday have to do research that bridges the arena of synchronicity mm-hmm. and muscle testing mm-hmm. in relationship to higher consciousness and mm-hmm. flow in life and so on, mm-hmm. because it's, it's work that's quote begging to be done and calling it a mm-hmm. guiding light. It's part of the deeper meanings that I've been coming to about why have I been constantly reminded over and over of late mm-hmm. through various sources that, the the light the the yellow golden light is mm. should be guiding us toward a number of things um, <laughs> and conclusions. Um, it's like the yellow golden logo of FLFE. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it's the languages of the divine. So if if synchronicity is a language of the divine. And then perhaps muscle testing is another language of the divine. Maybe channeling is another language of the divine. Mm-hmm. So a research that looks at the correspondence mm-hmm. between those things, I think is what you're saying, Gary, right? Yes, I think that, yes, beautiful. And mm-hmm. if it were to be a four-leaf clover <laughs> to complete the, the last leaf, <laughs> it would then be the evolution of technology that higher and higher consciousness beings and ultimately the source itself could use to communicate with us mm-hmm. above and beyond those other three. And one's mm-hmm. not a substitute for the other, but the, uh, like the work that mm-hmm. we're doing with the, the quote soul phone, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. communication technology. Can, um, connecting across the veil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, these are interesting times. They are. They are interesting, expansive. Uh, I don't know if you know, Gary, I noticed yesterday after we scheduled this that today is uh, March 8th or 3-8 or 8 plus 3 is 11. So I don't know. It's an 11 synchronicity today. And I've just, after reading your book, there are so many 11 synchronicities kind of started out your journey. Yes. Of, of, of noticing synchronicities. And here we are on, on an 11 today. 
And you have been adamantly saying that one of the things you wanted to do in this podcast or the next one is to talk about the 11 lessons that I, mm-hmm. that I learned from the mm-hmm. 11 super synchronicities that I, um, that I described mm-hmm. in the book. I know I, I didn't make the three, eight connection, but thank you. <laughs> well, let's, let's dive in. So what, what is a synchronicity? How do you define it in a super synchronicity? And okay. it'd be great to know the various types that you have, you identified too. Um, well, synchronicities are quote coincidences or co-occurrences of mm. two or more events in a close proximity in time, sometimes simultaneous, but often t- more typically sequentially where um, the probability of their occurring um, by chance is small and where not only do they typically occur at meaningful times in our lives, but um, often we don't know the meaning at the time that they occur. So often they're mysterious um, and they require that we be the detectives and that we seek out um, uh, what the meaning or significance is. Synchronicities first became um, recognized, I think, um, uh, by Carl Jung, the distinguished psychoanalyst, um, Mm -hmm. in his book, Synchronicity. Mm -hmm. Um, And there have been a number of people who have written about synchronicity since um, some people have bridged science and synchronicity like Jung did, uh, and some of this work was, um, uh, I, I talk about this in the Sacred Promise book. The more recent work uh, by a psychiatrist, whose name is Bernard Beatman, um, he wrote a book called, um, I think it was called Connecting with Coincidence. Um, mm. And he uses the term coincidence as opposed to synchronicity because he's mm. trying to be called more conservative because some mm. people think that coincidence is merely is equivalent to chance and mm. therefore it has no meaning. So it becomes dismissed as a coincidence, mm. um, not recognizing that that's actually an interpretation which may or may not be valid. Um, mm. uh, but then he used the word synchronicity in the subtitle. So, but he, he calls it coincident, coincidence science, the evolving science coincidence. I prefer the term synchronicity partly because it honors Jung and because it also, it deals with synchronization of, which is a, a broader term. Mm-hmm. Now in the, in my life and in my book, I talk about three t- types of synchronicity, what I call type one, type two, and type three. And type one is the is the most frequent one that we have. It's the one that most people are aware of, and that's simply a pair of events. So in order, in order to have a synchronicity, you have to have two things happen. Mm-hmm. And typically when the first one happens, you don't know it's a synchronicity until the second one happens, and then mm-hmm. it confirms the first one that happens. Um, mm-hmm. And when that pair occurs, you go, wow. You say, gee, that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. That's a type one. Now. A type two synchronicity is when that pair of events 
continues in terms of content and meaning. Mm. And I call type two secret disease when you have three, four, or five in a row. Mm. So they're mm. serial coincidences to use mm. for my people's language. Um, and that's a type two. Um, but then you can have six or more mm. synchronicities serially. And I call that a type three synchronicity. Mm. And a type three synchronicity starts becoming ex extremely improbable. And that's when you start really seeing these very high probabilities of, of improbability occur. Um, mm. And the, the, um, and I call those type three synchronicities super synchronicities mm. um, in the spirit of the way science uses the word super, like mm. superconductivity or supercomputers or super colliders or super mm. clusters of galaxies. I wasn't using it in the more lang -like, lay language like supermarkets or Superman. I don't know, objection to those. <laughs> either those places or the, uh, the, the fictional character. But, um, but I meant the word super in a serious way, you know, like superconductivity mm -hmm. or, or super collider. Um, and my journey to synchronicity began because I had a, had an experience where there were, um, there were, too many 11s in my life, numbers that either yeah, that were 11 or added up to 11. And because I'm statistically oriented, it was as if, and this is my pre-spiritual days, it was as if the universe is saying, the only way we're going to get your attention is to make something that's highly improbable that fits within that diseased brain you have, that science brain. <laughs> and, so, um, the, uh, and so I began to notice this and I realized it was, as Susie Smith puts it, it was my adopted grandmother and, um, and published 30 books in the field of parapsychology and life after death. One of her wonderful phrases was, um, some things are too coincidental to be accidental. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized that this pattern of numbers um, and uh, that were actively involved with my life was just hard to dismiss. And it was that statistical anomaly that started me then on the journey to trying to seek an understanding and an explanation. And that's mm -hmm. when I began having more and more anomalous events occur in my life mm -hmm. uh, that, um, that ultimately well, years later, I mean, it started in the early 1980s. Now, you know, I'm really going public with this work. It's, it's been, most of it's been done outside the university, uh, as you said, in the laboratory of my life. Mm -hmm. So, Gary, is there a have you done any work on the statistical correlation between events happening and and have and have any hard data on odds? I mean, I know you've talked about it with us, uh, you know, in our other meetings. Um, um, well, what, let me tell you what I have done. What I have done is developed a, I would say, a semi-formal mm -hmm. um, uh, procedure for, for estimating the probability of anything mm -hmm. occurring by chance. Mm -hmm. And then the process by which you calculate not just the probability of it occurring by chance, but translating it into real time. Mm -hmm. In other words, how much time would it take 
to to actually experience this if you were in real life looking for it. Because mm-hmm. one of the fundamental questions that people ask is, well, you know, if you look for if you look for yellow V, you know, VWs, you're going to find them. First of all, there mm-hmm. are VWs out there, and secondly, there are yellow VWs. And if you look for yellow cars more generally, you're going to find yellow cars. Of course, there's one in a hundred. So, how do you know that you're not just looking for yellow and you're just by chance noticing yellow? Mm-hmm. And the answer is that. It's not looking or being open and and um, um, and detecting is a prerequisite hmm. for tracking asynchronicity, mm-hmm. but it's not the explanation for their existence. Mm-hmm. In order for it to be a real synchronicity, it has to be above and beyond looking. Mm-hmm. So that's where I then will do things. Um, and usually this requires that I have a, a table of numbers in front of me, which I don't have because we're doing this informally. But like mm-hmm. in the most recent set of synchronicities that I had with um, these combination of yellow events, mm-hmm. um, I calculated the um, the uh, how much time would it take to, for example, f- see a yellow car driving along at a normal rate. Okay, so if there's one in a hundred cars and it takes you a couple of seconds to see a given car, you know, you've got to drive at least, you know, five minutes to um, to see a, a car. So um, so how many how how many t- how much time would it take to see two yellow cars and have them be uh, together? Not because by definition, the first five minutes, you'll see one yellow car on the average. Mm-hmm. The second five minutes, mm-hmm. you'll see another yellow car. But what's the chance of seeing them together? Well, it's 100 to 1 times 100 to 1, which comes out to be, um, uh, um, you know, ten, 1 in 10,000. But what does that translate into time? It would take you five minutes to find one, but you'd have to repeat that a um, hundred times in order to get to see uh, uh, two of them within the same period. So now all of a sudden you've got 500 minutes. Well, what about mm-hmm. seeing three of them at the same time mm-hmm. within their period of time? Well, all of a sudden you're talking about weeks and then you're talking about months. Mm-hmm. And by the time you've got the six or more events, now you're talking years which means if you were doing this, if this was your full-time job, eight hours a day, you're looking for yellow cars and you're trying to find, let's say six of them or eight of them all together simultaneously by chance alone, you're going to have spent years. Um, (laughs) And so therefore the explanation that, well, if you look for it, you're going to find it. My response Mm -hmm. to people who ask that question, and it's a good question to ask, is Mm -hmm. do the experiment. I could give you the calculation here, but the only way you'll be convinced for sure is if you do the experiment. And when I teach synchronicity to students, because as part of a, when I was teaching a course on the psychology of religion and spirituality at the University of Arizona, I included the topic of synchronicity. And one of the things I would give students is the task of looking for a particular event for a week um, 
mm-hmm. and re- noting every time that occurred and then mm-hmm. seeing what the probability of a given event occurring would be by chance mm-hmm. compared to what it would. And what you mm-hmm. find, of course, is that none of the students have the kind combination of events of the super synchronicities that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So, so would you would you consider the four yellow cars and the yellow crosswalk a super synchronicity in terms of your experience? Well, by definition, it would be a type two synchronicity because there were only four. Uh-huh. Okay, so it has to be to be a super synchronicity. It's got to be six or more. Mm-hmm. However, do you want to hear something really odd? <laughs> that's a okay. that's, that's a baited question, but yes, yeah, I'll take the baited question. question. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say no. <laughs> no, I was hoping you wouldn't say no. That's what I meant. Okay, so listen to this. Rhonda and I um, had to go off on an, an errand early this morning, and we were driving back in the car. And I, and I was, you know, I had to get back in time for this podcast. And Rhonda knew that. And I said, you know, you know, honey, I've been thinking about this podcast. And I think I found a way while we were driving earlier of how I could explain this. I mean, I statistically how to do this uh, with an experiment with students using, for example, yellow and black marbles. Imagine you have... Uh, you know, a, a jar of uh, of of a hundred marbles. Ninety nine of them are black, and one of them is yellow. And now you you know you blindly you randomly come in and reach in and pick your you know you you, you shake them and then you randomly pull out a, a marble. What's the probability? You know, how many times is it going to be yellow? Okay. And I said I was triggered by that thought while yesterday when I was bringing you know going for the for the car and as i was telling her that story directly in front of her she was driving and i was talking there was a yellow car now by chance of course there's going to be a yellow car there's one in a hundred chance to be a yellow car so there was a yellow car i said gee you know it's amusing that i'm telling you this event that so you can have this experience and then as i'm noting that it's odd that there's a yellow card at the moment that I'm telling you the story about how we can use yesterday's event with three yellow cards plus a sidewalk to do this. A a yellow VW bug is driving in the opposite direction. So now I got one yellow car in front of me and I got a second one here simultaneously while I'm telling her the story about the yellow cards. So immediately I go into my conditional probability. I was saying, wow, I said, that's that's really quite interesting. But, you know, of course, it would make a really statistically significant if there were at least three. Three is the charm. That's the Hebrew charm. <laughs> would you believe, literally, a car or two later, once again, coming down the road, but now a third yellow car? Mm. Now, since this journey has started, I've not seen three yellow cars in a close proximity. I mean, except during the early period when I was when I was into the and uh, discovering the synchronicity. So now I have I'm surrounded by yellow cards yesterday. I then de- today decide that I'm going to use this as an example. And while I'm telling the story, three yellow cards occurred. <laughs> That's now a super synchronicity, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I noticed you said yellow marble, and you know, one yellow marble and ninety nine black ones. Now, why is that important? Well, it's yellow again. Yes, I was doing that to be as a perfect. <laughs> I've been at, there it was intentional. 
There yeah, I was saying, okay. yes. Yeah. There it was because I wanted students to have, to imagine the task of, of how, mm-hmm. how frequent is it. I mean, you could have another way to do it, of course, is you could have a bag mm-hmm. of marbles where all, of all the different colors of cars in their proportion, and one of them is yellow. And then you have to pull out and see, well, this is a red one, this is a blue one, this is a green one, and so on. Anyway, so yeah, that just in the two days, that became a, it became mm-hmm. a type three synchronicity. Thank you for joining this episode of Fields of Consciousness, the podcast of Consciousness Conversations. We invite you to visit the link below the episode to experience a completely free trial of focused life force energy for 15 days. If you like, you can subscribe to the Fields of Consciousness podcast and tune in next time. We release new episodes every other week on Tuesdays at 11.11 a.m. PST. Onward and upward. Mm